Welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. Hello and welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. I am Matt Reiswig. And I am Dan Driver. And we work for Net Ministries at Net. Uh, we, we are seeing that young people are leaving the church at an alarming rate. And so in response to that, we send teams of young adults to schools and parishes across the country to proclaim the gospel and invite them into a deeper relationship with Christ. And we also do a podcast. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm tired. Uh, I have kids, so that is a very, very kids tiring Kids are job. tiring. They are tiring, especially when they're like two and a half. And Somebody tweet one. that. Uh, kids are tired. <laughs> 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 they wake up at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. And uh, yeah, I don't get sleep, so. <laughs> um, have you done anything interesting lately? Anything exciting going on? Yeah, we did an awesome um, interview retreat weekend uh, over in Washington, which was really good to get out of the snow because right now it's April and we have snow on the ground in Minnesota and it is so annoying. But it was really warm in Seattle, and it was a beautiful, clear day, which, you know, is unlike Seattle weather. Um, so, yeah, it was really good. And I was so shocked because everyone seemed to have Tesla cars, and I love Teslas. Whoa, really? Yeah. Like, do you know a lot about them? Not a lot about them, but if you've seen the Model 3, it's like the affordable version. It's a completely electric car, um, and it's like starts at 35000 But the thing is like the iPhone equivalent of a car. You know, like it has a card that you just touch to your car or you can unlock your car with an app. When you go inside, there's no like dials or dashboards or anything. There's just this big like iPad in the middle that controls everything in the car. It is incredible. So that has been released. It's been like on back order for a while. Um, and I got to see one outside of a coffee shop in Washington. So I was like snooping around the car for about five minutes, just drooling at how awesome it is. Dang, I, to be honest, I'm not really a car guy, but everything you said sounds amazing. Uh, the iPhone of cars, I'm already interested. Yeah, you should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that's great. I uh, This past weekend, I went to a trampoline park. Have you ever been to one? Trampoline. I've been to like an indoor trampoline thing. Yeah, so I, I had never been to one, but I um, when growing up, we had a trampoline at my house, and so... Um, I just spent a lot of time as a kid jumping on a trampoline and like when you're like a boy and I lived on basically on a farm, um, there's just a lot of options for trampolines. And so we had this old, um, chicken coop that like, it was basically like one, one story tall, like as tall as about a one, one story house, maybe not the roof as high. And so what we would do is we would push the trampoline up against the chicken house and we would climb it and, and then, drop chickens on top of it no so we actually didn't have oh. chickens it was abandoned okay. abandoned by the chickens <laughs> um we jump off it onto the trampoline whoa and then uh we had another building at our house it was it was a tank house and so i don't really understand what they used it for but it was three stories tall the top story had a big tank in it the second story was just like an abandoned room and so one day we decided that we would go push the trampoline up against the tank house uh and my buddy and i my my best friend growing up 
we uh we went up to the second story, which is the equivalent of being in the second story window in a house. And we decided we were gonna jump out the window onto the trampoline. Oh my gosh. And uh and so I, I can't remember who went first, but basically we opened the door the window and we just sat there like on the ledge <laughs> and just looked straight down. And the thing was you you couldn't jump because if you jumped, you felt like you were gonna Ugh. miss miss the whole thing. And so basically we just fell out a window onto the trampoline and somehow it worked. But anyways, I feel like all that prepared me for going to a trampoline uh, park. So it was, uh, my son went to a birthday party and I just decided I was going to participate. <laughs> and there were about two adults and maybe 200 kids. And uh, it was so much fun that I, I still had all my flips in me and they had uh, basketball hoops to dunk and like American Ninja Warrior courses. It was a lot of fun. But um, I did not expect how sore I was going to be the next day. And yeah. Every muscle in my body hurts in a terrible, terrible way. So it's good that there's nothing physical about podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Did you knock any kids over? Because that's my imagination. That's Ooh, where it goes. No, no, thank goodness. I was trying really hard because I felt like the staff is especially like, who's that adult? <laughs> <laughs> who's that guy jumping around in here? Uh, I was, I was concerned about that. I did participate in one game of dodgeball. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I, I I took it easy on the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I still was, I still was probably the MVP. But um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> Wait, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard this? Like, because I think this is just either one of those false facts in my mind or it is actually true. But like trampolining yeah. and swimming are like the best sports for uh, overall fitness. And it's what they, they, they have astronauts do. Have you ever heard that? Or did I just make that up? Now I really want to be an astronaut. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've definitely heard that about swimming. And okay. I mean, again, like trampolining is exhausting. Like paying for an hour of being on a trampoline is, yeah, it was plenty, plenty of exercise. So you could huh. be, you could be onto something. Cause not only like someone Google it and yeah, tell Google me if I'm it, right or wrong. Google it, send us an email <laughs> in about a month. We'll answer the question. <laughs> uh, but no, like my abs are so sore. So maybe you're on to something because mm. I don't even know why that would be from just jumping, you know? Yeah. So good luck, astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have a great podcast uh, on deck here for you today. Uh, Dan, do you want to explain what we have going on? Yeah, absolutely. So I interviewed um, a guy called Edmund Mitchell. He is a youth minister based in Texas. And um, I just find him really an interesting person. He has um, a few different entrepreneurial things going on. He um, started this uh, website called Reverb Culture, which just kind of explores um, how the catechism which is normally a boring and dry subject, how it can actually be something that can be life-giving to the faith and something that we as uh, Catholics and Christians should really delve into as much as we delve into the Bible and along with the Bible as well. He also has several different podcasts that he does um, and a Catholic company called Lumibox, which basically prepares a box full of Catholic goodies and they've been hand-selected and personalized and it's a subscription subscription company so you get a new box like i don't know every month or something and then he also has his own website so i'm I'm talking to him really because also he's experienced community at franciscan university in steubenville but he had you know after that he had some difficulty with 
um, living out his faith outside of community. So this is kind of a life after community podcast. Um, and we kind of related to like um, how the journey from the head to the heart can really help you if you're feeling isolated out of community to delve back into those truths of the faith. And we discussed that today. Um, and we also uh, have a video version of this, which may or may not be on YouTube at some point. Um, if you're interested in just watching that, but it's just us talking at a microphone, so it might not be that interesting. I mean, don't under don't underestimate. I'm sure everybody who hasn't met you just wonders what is how what you know how English does Dan Driver look? <laughs> not very much anymore. But um, also, he was really generous because he's written books as well and he's published these books. So he sent us ten copies of um, a book of his called Meditations, which basically um, will help anybody who wants to grow in their faith, um, and particularly with the catechism as well. He's giving away 10 copies of those at the end of this episode, so stay tuned to find out how you can get one of those copies. Well, great. Well, let's jump right into the interview then. Here is Dan talking to Edmund Mitchell. Welcome to the Net Ministries podcast there, Mr. Edmund Mitchell. Hey, it's it's good to be here. It's good to be here on your podcast. High quality. Yeah, I hope it is. Uh, I hope it's Very good and quality. useful for our listeners. And I really wanted to interview you because I think that you have a lot to say in the church. Um, I don't know you. Like, I've never met you. I know you through our mutual friend, Nick Gutierrez. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. NickGutierrez.com, that is. That's just how I refer to him. I don't know if his website actually works, but that's how I refer to him. <laughs> and I also know of you through um, uh, your work online. You have a website, you have a podcast, and you have some other entrepreneurial type endeavors. And yeah, I just noticed it. And I thought, this is cool. This is a guy who... Um, is clearly Catholic because your faith like intersects in every single one of those things. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was just very interesting. And I thought, um, particularly with your love of the catechism, I remember you, um, actually, I think it was through one of our team members. They had, um, they had the Didache Bible and Ooh, nice one. they Recommend. found it right over there. through you. Oh, um, that, that review I did way back when? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then <laughs> I looked at that and I thought, oh, this is cool. So I picked one up and then I believe I also got, um, actually, I didn't. Um, Ali Hoffman, a friend, mm. she got me. Also one, a mutual friend. Mutual friend, yeah. She got me one of those little green catechisms, the Australian ones. Oh, yeah, those are the best. They are, they are awesome. Um, yeah, I, have, I have about 30 of them over there. I have like this one as well, which I used to think was the best. What is that one? This is that the looks... British one. So it's oh, like the okay. green one. Okay. Um, so it has, you know, the scriptural references at the back and it has a okay. um, reader's guide to the themes in the catechism. Yeah. Interesting. Um, unlike the American white one, which is just, you know, awful doesn't, looking. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not as nice. I mean, we're going to sound like snobs right the, now. It's the wrong size too. It's, it's like super, it's way too thick and not, it's just not the right size. It's yes. just not the, the green ones are thinner, uh, same content, but uh, just thinner pages, a little bit wider layout. Um, 
but there, it's actually different in content because of the lack of scriptural references in the back which one the green one or the white one the white one doesn't have the scriptural. oh yes you're right you're right the white one does not have the the cross references yeah but the little green one does and i love that's one of my favorite parts yes mine too yeah um, so anyway, I, I would love to talk to you about this and more things about your life. And, um, but most people may not know who you are. So I'm, more, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping you can just introduce yourself and let us know what you do, your family, um, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, cradle Catholic, I feel like we should always start. We always have to start there as Catholics, like whether or not we were cradle Catholic, cradle Catholic. Uh, my parents were very, you know, very involved in the church as I was growing up. My dad taught, you know, RCIA and was involved in, um, in, uh, CCD. And, um, so I was raised Catholic and in high school really started my, uh, I was dating a, a Protestant at the time, which was really great. Like highly recommend <laughs> Protestants. So, but, um, uh, my dad handed me um, Rome Sweet Home by Scott Hahn mm. and said, hey, maybe maybe your girlfriend would appreciate this kind of explains a faith in this pastor's journey. Um, and I took it and I read half of it in the parking lot sitting in my car. And wow. I think I read the other half of it the rest of the day. And I don't know if I ever handed it to her, but I started really um, getting into especially po- apologetics, the faith. Um, I turned into a Catholic nerd like crazy. Um, I liked knowing all the answers. I liked being in class and like whispering um, really smart theological words to like my friend, Daryl, and just being like, <laughs> Daryl, say transubstantiation. And um, so I got really into the faith, uh, super nerdy. I really was enamored by the whole idea of apologetics and, you know, defending the faith and talking to Protestants about the faith. And I really was learning, you know, at a high school age that I, I valued what I believed and what, I, what my parents believed and that there were good reasons for it. So then um, I decided I was going to go to college and I wanted to make a lot of money and be really smart. So I decided to combine both of those things and I picked biomedical engineering. Got into, um, yeah, I, I um, applied to all the toughest schools I could think of and I just went to the, to the best one I could and, and I could get into. And so I went to Georgia Tech for biomedical engineering and throughout that process started um, discerning that, <laughs> that uh, it's really hard to be a biomedical engineer and I did not like it. And my passion for the faith, um, started changing and taking on more of like a ministry role. We started up, we kind of like revived the, um, the Catholic center on student center on campus. And I started realizing that just volunteering at the church in church ministry, um, wasn't really satisfying my heart and some like discerning, you know, and uh, I saw that Scott Hahn taught at a university called Franciscan University. So I called yes. their admissions counselor. Uh, um, yeah, their admissions counselor. And I said, hey, I want to be Scott Hahn, maybe. What about that? Yeah. And he said, he said uh, well, that's not a degree, but we do have this thing called catechetics after I explained what I was passionate about. Catechetics is a major that, you know, theology studies God, but catechetics um, is a study of how to hand on the faith with the deposit of faith. So then I was like, all right, let's do that youth ministry, got in the youth ministry track, met my wife at Franciscan University. Uh, my faith really came alive at Franciscan. I think for the first time I was encountering people that maybe they didn't know as much. I hadn't read as many books as not everyone had read as many books as I had, but there were a lot of people that while they didn't have as much intellectual knowledge, they t- talked about Jesus like they knew him, like they were hiding him in, his cl- in their closet, <laughs> you know? And uh, they talked about Jesus on this personal level that really challenged my, my preconceived notions of Jesus. And um, so then, you know, graduated Franciscan, I said, Lord, send me anywhere in the world. 
well, anywhere in the United States, I guess I was a little, I was probably a little, uh, <laughs> I box got in a little bit. Um, so me and my wife went to Toledo, Ohio, where I was a youth minister there for, I think four years about, um, my wife and I, so we got married two weeks out of college. Um, my wife and I had a kid like every year almost that we were married. Um, and so, yeah, so now we moved closer to my wife's family here in Texas. Uh, we're now I'm um, working at a parish now as the director of evangelization and catechesis um, for the parish. Uh, and I've been here for almost four years now uh, and just hope to, hope to stay here. Hope to stay as long as I can. And um, so, yeah, so we just had our, just had our fifth, our first girl wow. um, just last Saturday. And uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of like my career path, I guess, or how I ended up working for, for the church and doing those kind of, <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, it amazes me because you're you're what twenty nine years old, is that right? Yes, mm-hmm. twenty nine, and you have five kids. Yeah, pretty nuts. And you, I always feel like I always <laughs> feel like when I'm talking to people because I do. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't have like the chiseled jaw and the the um the facial the the facial hair that you have. But <laughs> normally, normally when I um tell people when I'm introducing myself to people who don't know me well, and I say I have kids and a lot of kids. I get this like concerned look <laughs> like, Oh, um, I love you. Even though you had a high school pregnancy. And I feel like I have to explain, like, we did not have, we did not have kids. Like we had kids after marriage. Like, I feel like I always have to preface all the kids are totally like, uh, you know, so yeah. Cause people think I'm 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, it's not a lie. I go in those summer camps and stuff and people are like, Oh, uh, what, what state are you from? What grade are you in? Oh, like, I am leading the, the group. Here. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, man. Um, I don't get that as much anymore because of the beard, yeah, you know? that, that um, helps. but if I shave the beard, it, I pretty much just go back to being 14 again. Mm. Um, so how old are you? 27. I, 32. Yes. Oh, that was my second guess. Yeah, You got it right. Five years. Yeah. Um, we've been married, uh, my wife and I for, um, almost four years. Oh, congrats. We have not hit the child a year, Mark. Yeah. Um, But four years is a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good stride there. Yeah. That's a good, you're kind of figuring some things out now. We're figuring things out. Uh, It's good. It's good. Um, but I mean, I, so I, I kind of know what it's like to be, um, a family man, a husband, um, and work in ministry. Um, but how long have, how long have you worked in ministry? This is my ninth year. And do you, do you count like day one as a net missionary or do you count like, okay. So, okay. I I count that. I mean, I I dabbled with stuff prior to this, but I've only been a Catholic, like what, 11 ish years. Oh, wow. What were you, what were you before? Um, I was a pagan. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, I, I studied rock music at a rock school. Um, music. what? Um, with Jack Black? No, with Ed Sheeran actually at his, what? Club. Wow. <laughs> um, and he was just like some little, uh, ginger kid who, yeah. um, me and my friends didn't really like pay much attention to. Yeah. Just and a little now he's, like, world famous. In fact, <laughs> yeah. there's a story of my, my, the singer of my band, um, was asked to meet with him to form a band around him. And he came away from it and said, and he said, no, this guy's going nowhere. Yeah. He, like, oh, this he basically guy's... said that. <laughs> this guy's. <laughs> so I just met up with, cause I don't get to go back to England a lot. And you know, yeah. my pre-conversion days were pretty wild. So I don't get to see 
people who are at rock school a lot. Yeah. And I was back there recently and um, I was meeting with my friend, the singer of the band. And I said, so, so like, wh what do you do when Ed Sheeran comes on the radio? And he says, I just have to switch it off. <laughs> it reminds me of the biggest mistake. I oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So yeah, um, I mean, I'm a 10 year old Catholic, but okay. Um, or 11 year old Catholic, whatever. Um, but I look at you as a dad and you have a full-time job in ministry, but then you also have all of these like side projects and um, entrepreneurial uh, kind of endeavors. Yeah. I'm, I'm plagued. I'm plagued with that disease yeah. of, of uh, hobbies. Yeah. But you have a lot of them. So can you just tell me about them? Oh, wow. Um, I started writing in a public forum, like online, you know, off and on back in, I think 2012, it really was after, you know, coming out of Franciscan and then into the workforce and then loving my job so much, but also having a heart for like the only, the only way I've been able to describe it as I've thought about it over the last couple of years is I just like, I like the process of, of making stuff. I'm not, I'm not super talented at any of these things, but I like kind of hacking. I've always been like a Jack of all trades kind of thing. I can learn I can learn pretty quickly to get to an okay level. And so I'll kind of pick up on some different things I like listening to or, or consuming like um, podcasts or designing things for youth ministry or, uh, or writing and, or those types of things. So I really, I really like creating stuff. I really like the process of coming up with this idea, thinking about it and dreaming about what this thing could be and making it. So I, you know, I had, I've had a website at mitchell.com where I've just kind of, that's just my bucket where I just keep lots of things. Um, lots of writing and stuff. And then uh, after Franciscan started getting, um, there's kind of a journey there as far as my discovery of the catechism and how that has kind of changed my life. But then that's when I thought, okay, well, what if we could make the catechism cool, essentially? Like, what if we, uh, instead of letting only canon lawyers and extremely intellectual people use it, like, what if we could make it come alive for people in the same, mm. in, in a similar way that, you know, Jeff Cavins or Scott Hahn, or, or maybe just if you think of more, tr you know, people who, um, make the Bible come alive in a, in a way that's, man, I hate to use the word trendy, but just in a way that's more accessible. Yeah. To people, that's beautiful. That's appealing. Um, that's like full of life and full of, um, the life experience. So we had this idea of launching this idea of reverbculture.com. And it was just this reverb culture was just this whole initiative of, it was, it was basically, I'm just going to put it this way. It was basically blessed is she before blessed is she, but for any young adults, it was just yeah. like this, it was just like this, like, could we make it um, appealing, beautiful, and dogma wrapped in human experience for young adults? So there was ReverbCulture.com, and then that led me into the whole kind of writing more, coming up with book idea type stuff. Um, I had podcasted off and on with my best friend Chris for a long time and never really hit a stride, never really figured out, like, am I into teaching or am I into – and I kind of go in, in fits and spurts with different things, and I have I have, like, Project ADD, so – um, so really, I mean, I, I ended up deciding on the idea of the recent podcast, the show, um, just again, as another bucket to just keep audio stuff, audio conversations to keep audio projects and experiments and stuff. So that's just, hopefully that'll be like, like my website, just a place where, um, where I can just experiment and, and make stuff and not put all this pressure on myself to like necessarily teach something, but if I want to, I can. Um, so yeah, so those are all, oh, and then Lumibox loomybox.co.co i'm throwing out so many this is an infomercial dan that's what it sounds like um 
my wife and I uh, were trying to afford living closer to the church. So right now we live like two minutes from my work. Wow. And when you work for the church, your hours are kind of crazy. And it just really helps, especially in the Metroplex here in, in Texas, uh, in Dallas. Um, so we live like two minutes away. And so to afford that, we decided, all right, look, like me and my wife will kind of start up a side business um, just to help support it. So that's a Catholic monthly subscription box. And we partner with uh, smaller, lesser known Catholics, or not necessarily lesser known, but just smaller Catholic products or companies or musicians or artists. Uh, and then we curate a box, high quality um, box, and then also um, create a monthly devotional. So kind of design projects, art, all that stuff kind of together uh, in that monthly subscription box. So that's what me and my wife are kind of, kind of still, still working on. That's a year. Yeah. That's survived a year. So wow. um, yeah, that's still a, uh, so too much, Dan, way too much. All right. It sounds really exciting though. And um, I don't know how you do it as a dad. I don't watch TV. I just watch two, th two things, Dan. I don't watch TV and I wake up super early. That's it. Oh, that's, wow. what I've, that's what I figured out. That's the balance. My, well, and also, you know, being, being open with your spouse, having an amazing spouse, but also having good conversations with your spouse about, you know, when are things seem too much. And also, I, man, I batch tons. I know you batch these pods, man, I batch like crazy. Yeah. Like I'll write up a whole bunch of stuff or podcast a whole bunch of stuff and then just keep it in the bank for when I'm, for when I, uh, I don't have as much time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, now when we were, we were discussing this earlier, um, like what really to focus this on. Um, and we both kind of agree that, um, you know, transitioning from a vibrant commu community such as Franciscan university or even net it can be tough on the soul and the mind and the heart yeah. um, because you're suddenly thrust back into the world of people who are potentially callous or have different ideologies that conflict um, with what you have found to be central and true. Um, so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about maybe the journey that you've experienced of your faith coming alive and then, what happened because you said it was in the context of franciscan what happened after franciscan yeah talk to me yeah so well maybe you know in high school i definitely was super intellectual about the faith and um i mean i would we would have debates after uh well debates during lunch we'd meet in the orchestra room and have debates on you know like all my protestant friends we'd like debate the faith but it was really just kind of like a strong arming it was like it, they, like i didn't necessarily care about their soul i just was like all right come on like i would have my bible cheat sheet and be like all right you know challenge me on any catholic doctrine um the problem with that is like no one's no one's actually having a discussion trying to discover something i mean it was just it was just like i mean it was fun and we all enjoyed it a lot and learned more about our faith and then when I went to Franciscan, meeting people who really challenged me about um, knowing Jesus Christ personally, and also, uh, you know, transformation, like transformation of my heart, um, you know, because in high school, uh, like I, I was, I wasn't necessarily a super bad kid, but I, I definitely was struggling with uh, mortal sin on a regular basis. And I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily becoming a greater, a, a better person. I wasn't becoming more like Christ. Um, mm. So then in, in, at, at Franciscan, and, and I know, you know, uh, Ned alum will kind of resonate with this, when you're, when you're around a group of people that have one singular focus, which is becoming saints and, and being like Christ and, and chasing after him, um, it kind of, you know, it, it um, especially 
well, I don't know. I'm not going to say, especially, I don't want to be normative, but as a man, I mean, that's like, all right, let's go. Like, let's do this. Um, so that was really great and just really grew, uh, in my relationship with Jesus. But then after Franciscan, um, then when you leave that kind of crucible of, um, accountability, but also, but also, man, it's just so easy to get kind of inspired and motivated to live out your faith when you're constantly around people like that, people that are inspiring and, um, people that are challenging. And, uh, one, it can be really easy to start becoming kind of lukewarm when you're living on your own and, you know, you're the, you know, you pray more than anyone, you know, or you like go to mass more than most of the people in your neighborhood or whatever, like, um, that can be hard, but at the same time, so I remember, I remember vividly for like one whole year, maybe it was like a year and a half. I just was, uh, this was before I really got into like podcasts and stuff, but around the, the time, man, I was just listening to Catholic radio, like nonstop. And, you know, I started realizing that I was just kind of hopping from Catholic speaker, like some, some big Catholic talk to the next Catholic talk. Mm. Or, um, you know, what's the next book I can read that's going to really, you know, help me anything but really necessary, really like just growing in my prayer life. Um, but I also felt like in my prayer life, uh, I, you know, I had this, I still had this, like, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but uh, I kind of shied away from the areas of the faith or the areas of the Bible or, you know, the parts of Jesus that, that weren't as comfortable for me or, or that, um, yeah, that I just maybe didn't get, right? Um, um, so I, I started looking for, you know, I started getting frustrated with kind of, I mean, Catholic speakers and Catholic authors are amazing. They're a blessing to the church. But I started feeling like, man, like these people, these people have a root, a core to them um, in their way that they understand the faith that I'm getting secondhand, if started mm. feeling like. And I knew that I didn't want to be overly intellectual, but I knew that I was missing somehow like this intellectual depth. And so then I'd start picking up just random books and I had no real structure on, okay, but should I learn about the reformation or should I learn about like, um, I would get really distracted by, okay, well, like, what should I learn about? Should I read, should I read the summa? Like how, how do I, how do I go about both deepening my personal relationship with Jesus, but also, uh, growing in my understanding of who Jesus is without shying away from the areas of, of his teaching that, that, um, were confusing to me. So anyway, so that's, that's kind of where, you know, I came back across the catechism and um, started seeing it as like, okay, well, if this is the fundamental, the deposit of faith, the fundamental, I mean, in some ways you'd say the fundamentals of our faith, but if, if everything in this book is what is required to believe um, and it's, it's, it's very focused, right? There are things that are in it that you know, there isn't a long explanation of the divine mercy image, right? There isn't a long explanation of the rosary. There's not, so it's very focused on just the deposit of faith. Um, Which is what, I mean, just, what do you mean by deposit of faith? Yeah. So the deposit of faith, the best way I would define it is everything God has revealed for man to know in order to be saved. In order to be saved. That's the key part, I suppose. Yeah, I think that would be, yeah, that'd probably be the key. I mean, that's just off the top of my head, but I would say every, yeah, everything God has revealed um, from the beginning up and up and through um, the death of the last apostle 
and then it's it's what all the bishops it is it's finite in a way in its structure it can grow organically in our understanding of it but it is like it's finite like um and so it's what the bishops pass down from generation to generation it's what um you know in in uh timothy first timothy he says guard the precious deposit of faith which has been entrusted to you so there's this idea of this um this set of, and I wouldn't say information because it's deeper than information. It's what God has revealed about himself and about man mm-hmm. and what we're supposed to pass on. Mm. And, um, you know, in a world where you can get really caught up in um, current issues or current debates, or, you know, I was getting really caught up in like, well, um, you know, same sex marriage and, and same sex attraction and abortion issues. And, and these are all wonderful, like not wonderful things. These are all issues where we need the church's voice in those things. But for me personally, I felt like if I don't understand the Trinity, I have no right to be talking to someone about marriage. If I, if I haven't like internally, not just intellectually, but internally, if I'm not living out the, the fundamental doctrine of, of the blessed Trinity and the life of the Trinity, and, and I'm not reflecting on that often, if it's like, you know, oh, just every now and then I'll think about the Trinity, but it hasn't, I haven't become a Trinitarian person, like a Christian who's thinking Trinitarianly. Um, then I felt like I had no right to really be on the front lines, you know, talking about, uh, some of these more hot button issues, unless I'd been transformed by, by the doctrine, by the, by the, by the teaching myself. So, so that's when I started coming across the catechism and obviously instead of diving straight into it, cause it's, you know, this huge, if you buy, if you come across like a huge copy of it, it's, it's intimidating. It's like a huge dictionary. And so I started just reading what other people were saying about it or what other people thought about it, you know, reading John Paul II, uh, actually the intro, you know, kind of the letter that precedes the catechism is really interesting. And then father Raniero Cantala Mesa um, did a papal homily on the catechism yeah that just changed my mind about it. And he was Wait, talking, what, was it? What, what did he say? So he was talking about how we need to rediscover the catechisms, um, the, the catechisms like beating heart, pulsating heart. And he says that the heart of the catechism is Jesus. And all of the bat, like I knew all of this from my degree, but I guess it never really penetrated me. And, and the heart of everything we believe as Catholics is Jesus. But I guess I, I just, I don't know, hearing it that way, he, would, he talked about the catechism as not just a textbook or not just a reference book, but as a, as a book that could be picked up like a violin and used to rouse the heart of man. Mm. And when you start reading about what a m- miraculous document, in fact, this catechism is, I mean, we haven't seen a catechism like this um, since the 1500s. It, it really is. And this is what I believe is it's, and, and other, other smarter, holier people than me have said things similar, that it really is one of the only things we can point to um, as, a, as a very concrete, authentic fruit of the Vatican, the Second Vatican Council. Mm. I mean, the Vatican Council was called to, if you read uh, Pope John XXIII's uh, reason for calling the council, yeah. it's to guard and present better the deposit of faith to modern man. So how do we take all this stuff that we, we believe as Catholics, and how do we present it? to a modern audience, not changing the content, but just how would you present it? And up until that point, the catechism we had was from the Council of Trent. And it was much more intellectual. It was for, it was, it was actually before there was priestly formation, uh, there was this catechism, before there was seminary formation in a kind of codified way, Mm. they created this catechism as kind of a counter-reformation move. Like we need people to know the, the essentials of the faith. 
but they assumed an audience that was already evangelized. Yeah. And so this catechism is written completely different, very similar in its structure, but written with a different end in mind, which is a modern world where not where most people don't know Jesus. Most people don't have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, when they when they uh, published the informative dossier, how, how do you say that? Dossier? 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 Well, I, how do you say, say that in your beautiful accent? If it is French, then it's going to be dossier, but I, okay. I have always said dossier. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. either, either. Yeah. When they published that, it was just a short little briefing on the catechism that they sent to all the bishops before they published it, and they said that the two dimensions of this catechism, the first was conciliar, meaning that um, it was from the Council of Vatican II. It was from. It was in line with all the councils preceding it. That it was. Um, that it was ecclesial in some ways, but the second dimension of it was that it was missionary uh, in in its dimension. Mm. That it it was meant to to go out. It was meant to be used um, in the in the mission territory, and that even in when Pope John Paul II um, is kind of saying who this catechism is for. First, it's for bishops because they have to guard and present the deposit of faith. So a yeah. universal summary, the deposit of faith is interesting. But, but secondly, it's for priests. And then it says, and for all Catholics and for anyone who's interested in learning uh, about the Catholic Church. And when, the, when this catechism came out, it was in airports. Like it, was, it was being sold like crazy because people um, at the time – there were some people that would say, well, the world doesn't need more dogma. The world doesn't need more defi- like defined definitions, I guess. And when this catechism came out, people were actually very interested in knowing, like, what is it? What is the, what is the, what is the, the front cover to back cover of what the Catholic Church believes? Mm. Um, so, so I really started, that started coming alive for me. And then the second thing was this idea um, taken from, man, this was from... Um, I think an art. I think it was an edition of that um, theological journal, Communio. But I think it was like at the time, Mundelein Seminary rector or some someone at the time. This was like in the eighties or nine. No, this was in the nineties. He wrote a short lecture on praying with the Catechism. Yeah. And once I got that, once I got the idea, like, wait, what? Instead of just reading cover to cover and trying to intellectually put it in my head, like you mentioned, the. Um, the scripture references in the back you can basically backwards search the catechism you can start john 1 1 and then read john 1 1 or john 1 1 through whatever 12 or whatever and then flip to the back of the catechism look up a few of the catechism verses that are referenced uh, or or that reference that passage and then do lexio divina with both like just pick yeah just pick two just pick two paragraphs and just sit with it and just you know, allow the Lord to speak to you. And it, I mean, this is a summary of the sacred deposit of faith. So it's not, uh, this is what God wanted to reveal to us. And it's, um, it's from the authority of the church. Um, it's universal. I mean, it, it, uh, they got, I think over 20,000 amendment suggestions when the first draft came out. So bishops from all over, um, there were two bishops that were writing each of the pillars, except for one bishop who is, uh, or well, not a bishop, but a priest from Syria. Wait, Syria? Oh my gosh, no, Beirut. He was in Beirut, like, um, so from our Eastern Church, even so, the east, the east and west, kind of both in it. So it's beautiful, and um, yeah, I've just found that taking short little chunks of it and just um, sitting, uh, as one of my friends says, it's kind of like sitting at the feet of the church and just uh, praying with Scripture and praying with with the deposit um, in a way that now all of a sudden it was like, okay, no, Scott Hahn didn't 
reveal this about Mary to me, like me in prayer with Jesus, coupled with this like sure norm of the teaching of the, of the church. um, Yeah. It just, everything came alive for me for that in that kind of area. Hmm, I love Sorry, that. I'm just, man, I'm just going on and on. No, no, that's so good. I'm going to, uh, hopefully we can grab, um, if you know what that uh, article is um, by Father Ranero Cantala Mesa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got we that. Can I can in the show notes. Yeah. And um, also even the, uh, the praying with the catechism booklet or whatever it is, if it's an article online. So it's not in it's not in print. It was just in a copy of a book. I mean, I could maybe look for it. I mean, I have an article I wrote on you know how to pray with the Catechism and Scripture that I, I could I could share with you. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. Um, I liked you know as you're talking, what I'm hearing is that there was this kind of wrestling that was going on between um, the faith that is in your head and the faith that's in your heart and lived out. Yeah, um, and I mean, n- not to dichotomize the church, but um, you often see that people kind of fall into one area or the other. Yeah. You know, they're, they're very intellectual or um, they're very much feeling based. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so have you noticed like that yourself and what are your thoughts on that? For sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, I have identity crises like every day. So, I mean, I, I'm constantly kind of figuring out like, who am I and, and what do I really believe in? And, um, you know, especially like when I act, I think, especially as a Christian, you know, you have to be very circumspect about why am I doing what I'm doing and from what motives. And so when I left Franciscan, I had a lot of different, I guess, like traditions or habits I had picked up. And, and then I really was starting to wonder like, okay, but but like, what of this do I really believe? What of this matters to me and wanting to, to start my own way of life in a sense. And so, yeah, I think, um, I think oftentimes, like you said, not to, not to make it a dichotomy, but oftentimes it seems like there's two groups of people, both of which I don't always agree 100% with. And the one side is, um, let's read the Summa, let's be very intellectual, let's, um, let's take these things rationally and kind of um, upset with the idea, especially that seems recent, this idea of a personal relationship with Jesus, or anything that's emotional, or comes from a place of emotion. But then on the other hand, you have people who on the sometimes on the other side are like, well, you know, it's just, it's just about this personal relationship with Jesus and um, let's not get bogged down by theology or get bogged down by a deeper understanding of, of dogma even, or, or the, the deposit. So, and I think both have uh, both, both extremes, if we'd call them um, have their strengths and weaknesses and I really think when you look at St. Augustine or you even St. Thomas Aquinas or St. Bonaventure, St. Francis of Assisi, these are all people that sometimes we classify on both extremes, but who, in fact, when you read their life or you read their writings, um, they're, they're not. Thomas Aquinas had such a deep personal uh, relationship with Jesus and, and was, had a brain the size of France, you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, and, and St. Francis who was such a romantic and such a, um, just a out in the world kind of person. He understood. I mean, he had, he had um, uh, probably from a lot of his kind of contemplative prayer, but I mean, he had a deep understanding of the Trinity of Jesus of the incarnation. And so um so yeah, I think there is sometimes, especially as we leave the safety of these Christian communities and go off into the world, we're kind of trying to wonder, okay, was that 
was what I encountered as I'm growing in my faith intellectually. Do I need to shed off this, this zeal and this passion and this personal relationship? Should I grow um, and, and become a little more mature? Or maybe you go the other extreme and you're starting, you're looking around at all of your friends who, you know, maybe sometimes you feel like they're over-spiritualizing, over-focusing uh, on relationship, and you're wondering like, well, man, I don't really, there, there are parts of my life that, here's a perfect example. In scripture, I would only, before this, I would only go to the passages of scripture that evoked a very strong kind of emotional response from me. Like, yeah. I, like I would go to my favorite passages with Jesus, right? Like I'm on the boat and there's a storm and like I'm talking with Jesus, you know? Um, and I would kind of shy away from the parts that I didn't understand as much or I'd shy away from the ones that were more teaching or the areas of scripture that, that didn't seem to affect me personally, just because I didn't, again, I think it was because I didn't, I wasn't formed well enough in the deposit to understand how those things um, apply to me because all of the deposit of faith uh, is meant not just for our intellectual knowledge, but for us to respond to. So everything in the catechism um, is revealed and God only re God always reveals things and expects a response. So sometimes it was like, man, the Annunciation, the Immaculate Conception, like what, like, what does that matter to my everyday life? How does that help me in prayer? But it was only through um, really praying through the deposit, really praying through the catechism and understanding like, wow, God wants me to respond to this mm. revelation. And he revealed this and wants me to know it uh, for my personal life. Yeah, for my, so anyways, I, I wanted to bring up, um, one of my favorite paragraphs in the catechism is the first paragraph that opens the fourth pillar on prayer. Mm. And it kind of, the first paragraph of every pillar or the first couple of paragraphs of every pillar are going to kind of, they're really good summaries of everything. They re-summarize the four pillars. And it talks about um, the church professes the mystery of faith in the apostles creeds. So that's the first pillar. It celebrates it in the sacraments. So that's the second pillar so that the life of the faithful may be conformed to Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's morality, the moral life. That's the third part. And then it, to preface this fourth pillar on prayer, it says that mystery of faith requires that the faithful believe it, the creed, celebrate it, the sacraments, live, live it, morality, our moral life, mm -hmm. but that we do all of that from a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a friend, I had a friend who saw the phrase personal relationship. She was interning at my parish and she was like, Hey, this sounds Protestant. Like, what is this? And I was like, open up catechism paragraph 2,558, like mm -hmm. personal relationship. And it says this relationship is prayer. Um, so I think there, I don't know. I don't know if I've answered correctly or, or well enough, but I think there is a, a, a beautiful balance to be had in those both in both of those areas. And I think, um, right. Yeah, I think I think that's just that's a great direction that that we as a church can kind of start walking, especially in modern times when we're dealing with evangelization or being out in the world. I think showing people the the beauty that both sides can kind of meet um, is is a good thing. Yeah, um, and sort of bringing it back because people might be thinking, well, what has this got to do with life after community? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, what has yeah, the catechism yeah. got to do with that, or yeah. even like the pursuit of the head and the heart? Um, yeah. But just you know, in people's journeys, I think that when you're in a very supportive system, um, you can kind of ride a wave, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. riding this wave of uh, Christian community, holding each other up. Um, but then when you're left out there, like you're kind of stripped down to yourself mm -hmm. and Jesus and not to make this about a me and Jesus thing, but many times people are islands unto themselves. Yeah. Kind of isolated from 
Christian community. So I think, you know, the heart can only burn with a flame for so long before it needs more fuel um, and uh, like an extra avenue for grace to come in and transform the heart. I think that this is where like the head and the heart really can help with people who leave a community. Um, because the study of the faith, which, you know, we're using words like study, dogma, the catechism, and they can be like intimidating for people to hear. Totally. totally yeah. um, but really, it doesn't have to be. No. It can mm-hmm. be one way to get to know the one that loves your soul. Yeah. Um, on a deeper level and inflame the heart to more, um, more love. Speak, speak on that. Oh, well, 100%. And I think I was getting so confused. I wanted a way of life. For myself to be to really use yeah to to just say what i was looking for was a way of life but i was so overwhelmed by like well maybe i have a franciscan spirituality maybe a dominican spirituality maybe i should be doing these types of devotions maybe i should be doing this like how should my family be celebrating this like um this is really cool people celebrate baptisms people sell you know and i and honestly i do think some of this stems from a lack of a a catholic culture i would say in america like we have a certain amount of catholic culture but we don't have the ingrained familial traditions of cult of catholic culture in the same way other uh, i think countries sometimes have these kind of like this is how we celebrate baptisms on a yearly basis that kind of or how do we how do we live out our faith so i got really overwhelmed by all these different things what should i learn what should i do like like who, like who am I as a Catholic in the world? What type of saint? And to come across like, okay, here's the catechism. What's in here is most important. And, and just like, let's focus on the catechism in the Bible. And then to come across this idea of these four pillars that comes from, you know, the acts of the apostles, you have the first Christians converted by Peter and the apostles um, after Jesus rises from the dead. And it says they devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the breaking of bread, the communal life and prayer. So creed, sacraments, morality, and prayer. Like, what do we believe? How do we celebrate it? How do we live it? And then prayer, that relationship that binds it all together. Mm. And once I, once I got that in my mind, I was like, okay, all right. Like the creed, the Apostles' Creed. Like I need to know the Apostles' Creed really well, and I'm just going to start meditating on that. The sacraments, how can I better live out this sacramental life? Morality, like, like the Ten Commandments, social justice, the Beatitudes, how can I live those things out? And then prayer. And I started looking at my life and realizing I was really strong on the creed and prayer, maybe, but not necessarily that. Str- I mean, I was strong in the sense of intellectual knowledge in the creed, not necessarily heart, like kind of digging into to it personally. But, um, but I was a little weaker. I kind of shied away from social justice issues or I shied away from morality. I shied away from the moral life and digging into the beatitudes or the works of mercy and those types of things. Um, so it helped me kind of look at my life objectively in these four areas and start saying, okay, well, how, how does my family celebrate this creed? And let's just focus on the apostles creed. Um, how does, how does my life live out what we believe in the sacraments? Um, but also looking at the areas where I'm weak, like the moral life, the 10 commandments. So I think, I, I mean, I know a lot of this could maybe just someone listening to this could go, Oh, okay. Edmund, you're just saying like, let's go back to the basics. And I guess in some ways I am, I, I guess, it's really easy to go on some of the popular Catholic websites and, and news sources and all these places and feel like um, the things we really need to know about is we need to come up with arguments against whatever the, the, um, whatever the argument against the Catholic church is and their enemies at the gate. And we need to really go 
and um, <laughs> this is my wife. Hello. Sorry, this video. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's enemies at the gate, and we have to learn these these things. But I really think turning internally a little bit and focusing on those fundamentals, it, you know, is is worth it. And I mean, that's what Jesus. You know, Peter. Peter didn't start with. Um, Peter didn't start with the morality of Christian life when he was preaching to people that saw, you know, saw them after Pentecost. He just started with the story of Jesus. Um, and I think, uh, at least for me, I feel like I'm not, I'm not done knowing, knowing enough about Jesus yet. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up here soon. Um, maybe just a couple of more questions. If somebody came to you and, um, they were just telling you it's been difficult, Edmund, it's, it's been tough. I, I've left net. I'm out of Franciscan university. I finished with this or that ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been, grinded down i've just been ground down um by the world and i don't know what to do what would you uh say to them to give them a little boost yeah well i mean the first thing i would say is it's like just being honest about how hard that is is really important because sometimes we get into this kind of cone of silence where we're not willing to talk like we should we look we might look around at other net alums instagrams or look around at other people's um, social media and go wow like i'm having a hard time um it doesn't seem as easy as this person that's doing an amazing wow they're really being an evangelist they're really like going out there and getting it you know and um for the kingdom and you can kind of start feeling like, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. And I would say, no, everyone has a hard time with this. Like, it's really hard. It's really hard to adult. Um, so, so I would say first being honest is such a great starting point. I would say secondly, um, and you know, and this is the cliche, but I would say the prayer has to be a fundamental. Um, so, and what I mean by prayer is like, um, dialogue with Jesus and um, structuring that daily habit of dialogue with Jesus. But then after that, I would say um, you could focus on maybe these four areas. Maybe you could get things really simple and cut out things that are maybe drawing your energy and attention other places. Um, And I really think, I really think, man, I really think community. I mean, I have friends who were very, very, passionate and on fire in their faith and fell away. And I, it really seems like it all comes down to just finding one other person that cares, that cares about Jesus as much as you do. And I know that can be really hard, even if it's just, you have to Skype someone. Uh, I think having a regular um, conversation where you're open with someone else about how things are going. And then, and then maybe the last thing I would say is, and, and this is why the liturgy is so beautiful and powerful. Um, and you know, this is something, uh, our marriage counselor, Dave McLeod, um, is constantly talking to Danielle and I about, he's super huge in the liturgies of our daily life. Like, um, you, even if you don't believe the liturgy is there for you when you don't believe, and even Mm. your liturgies on your daily life, like even if it's, um, sometimes, sometimes if your belief is struggling, your behavior, um, your behavior is the next thing to go sometimes. And if you already put in place, even around your house or in your life, or even in your week or your month, um, habits of belief. So when, you're, when your heart or your head is not there with belief, you're behaving. And, and obviously the first one is obviously daily mass or weekly mass. But I even think other things like, and it, it sounds so stupid, but even celebrating little, little things like your baptism or what, whatever it is, like finding those things um, 
that you can surround yourself with like little habits of belief, little liturgies in your life that are like, you know, when I come home, this is what I do right as I come in the door or when I leave, this is what I do. And on those days when it's really hard um, and you're really feeling alone and isolated, um, I think just allowing your body to go through the motions is good for your soul to just, to just kind of like, look, God, like this is really hard. And all I can do is, is at least go through this motion where I touch this crucifix before I leave the house. And that sounds, I know that man, 21 year old me listening to this would have been like, that is the biggest load of crap. But uh, what's scary about adulthood is it doesn't end. <laughs> like there's no like, here's four years and then you're done. I mean, it doesn't end. So these things, these things add up. I mean, touching that cross every day, 365 days a year, I mean, it adds up. Um, and I'll throw in one more. Can I throw in one more? Yeah, please. Um, this is something that I haven't done formally, but I'm working on as an idea in my head and I'm definitely doing informally. I would say either keep a note on your phone or somewhere but I mean, and if you're familiar with St. Francis de Sales and um, True Devotion, I think is his book. Um, but there's, introduction to the Devout Life. There you go. Introduction to Devout Life. Um, he talks about kind of like stirring up this, the idea of devotion and just the idea of there are certain things you read or th certain things you watch or listen to that stir up in your heart the desire for God. Mm. Um, um, I would say keep a log of those things or keep them somewhere. So there's a passage from um, Set All a Fire. No, what is that? The Ralph Martin book, um, Fire Fulfillment. something. Fulfillment of All Desires. Desire. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the book, the book. Um, oh man, it's another. It's a fire book. It is a fire book. Oh, Fire Within. Within. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Those books. There's a few books or a few passages. Yeah. The first chap. The first chapter of Man Before God by Adrian von Speyer. Mm -hmm. There's certain little things that when I read those. Uh, my soul kind of comes aflame. And I think, you know, man, you, those are, um, when your soul kind of goes in the desert, those can kind of be a little bit of an oasis. Yeah. Just kind of go back to when you know that these are tried and true, maybe passages of scripture or passages of the catechism, but like, these are things that stir up. Oh, um, another fire themed one. It's, a uh, uh, set fire or man, uh, it's, a uh, it's, um, the story of St. Francis Xavier and his life. Um, mm. You know what I'm talking about? I it's don't. historical fiction, but um, I think it's called Set All Fire. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set yeah, All yeah, Fire yeah, 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 yeah. by Louis DeWall. Yeah. I mean, fantastic book that really, I don't know, just, it's just kindling, you know? So anyway, sorry. I, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, no, no. I mean, the, the, the last, last thing I would, I would say is call Dan Driver. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've heard that piece of advice you just given in like three different countries um, wow but i I've am i it, the first one in america i've no. heard it multiple times here ah dang okay yeah. All right. by different people <laughs> um, so i think it's just something that i think it's true one person and i can't remember which country it is either england america or lebanon said that uh, you should create a spiritual survival kit mm, yeah, and like, like um, extract these things that, you know, um, arouse the faith in you and, and read oh, wow. quotes, pictures of people who are faithful in your life, letters mm. that you've received from uh, faith sharing people and things like that into a little physical survival kit. That's amazing. So that when you are, um, you know, down, you can just like open it up and yeah. Through it and remind yourself 
of some of those uh, truths. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, Man, that's making me want to like compile all of this and, and, and like publish a book for myself. That's just like <laughs> selected readings. Yeah. What are, what are a few things for you that are that? What are like passages or books or movies or songs or? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, ha- having my conversion from like the sort of rock and roll hedonistic world, um, I really fell in love with the wisdom of the Desert Fathers, the same mm. the Desert Fathers, yeah, who were yeah. the Christian monks that lived in like, you know, the second, third century or whenever it was. And um, they were escaping persecution, living as hermits in the desert um, and doing nothing but praying and fasting and very punk rock of them (laughs) very punk rock of them um and really that just felt like the only choice for me um was to really just like go into a desert and you know um i for a while i thought i was going to be a hermit because i didn't know what to do with myself i didn't know who i was i didn't know how to live Mm. in society when you know like i was just felt at odds with myself in the world yeah um, but there's some very consoling things in there for me so that would be one thing c.s yeah. lewis in general is another thing <laughs> just to see him lewis. his works yeah his works a picture of him um yeah. i yeah just things like that you know like i have some really great memories uh from early on in my faith that impacted me deeply um and you know with my net team i keep a picture of uh, my team and i'll i'll flick through that at time yeah. remember um so yeah th- those kind of things um okay so one last thing uh, mm-hmm. before we wrap up um somebody who's listening to this they might be thinking okay well this sounds really great i love the idea of jumping into the catechism mm-hmm. and the scriptures to get more head knowledge to hopefully translate that into my heart Mm. but where do I start? Is it page one of the catechism or, and how am I supposed to read it as a, like a novel? (laughs) Well, I mean, we didn't have time to get into this, but man, like catechism paragraph one, two, and three is, I mean, the gospel, everything summarized. I mean, memorize catechism paragraph one, just in general, people should do that. But, um, I would say I would, I would start by not feeling like you have to read it cover to cover the way I pat, we had to pass a test, um, at Franciscan on the entire catechism. And the way I got myself to read most of it was I would just go to the index and just look up stuff or the, the, yeah, in the index and just look up stuff that sounded interesting. But I think the best way would be to pray with catechism and scripture. I would just open up scripture and then, you know, do your normal, like if you do Lexio Divina with scripture, you read just one little chunk, have a conversation with Jesus, Jesus, what are you trying to reveal to me? And how do you want me to respond? And then look up in the back of the catechism And it will tell you like, okay, you know, Matthew 38 or 38, Matthew three verse eight is referenced these three places. Just pick one paragraph and just sit with that paragraph for a while and, and just see what it adds to the Lexia Divina that you were doing with scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, If you really, you know, if you, if that's even too much, I mean, second thing I would say, and I'm super weird about this stuff, but I would buy a, a version of the catechism that you find beautiful and that you will use. I am really preferential to the really small one that we talked about, the small little vinyl one. It's my everyday carry. It goes everywhere with me. It can fit with another like small Bible. So it's just both of them right there. That's what I take to prayer. Um, But also the Catholic Truth Society, um, Dr. Petrock Willie helped Mm. make a beautiful hardcover with color, like 
um, different things are colored different ways and the four pillars are colored different ways. Beautiful. Well, like typesetted super well. It's what it's, it's, it's true. Like it's how they should have treated the deposit of faith when they, when they mm. publish this. Um, so there's some versions of that. So I would say do that. And if, if, but if having a catechism and having scripture, if that's like, okay, well, I don't even want to do that. Um, we, I put together and I haven't done all four pillars of the catechism, but I put together a little book called meditations. Um, yeah. and just meditations. One is the first pillar and it will walk kind of sequentially. It'll pick some major passages, 30 kind of chunks uh, or 30, I guess, just paragraphs of the catechism paired with scripture. So it gives you scripture, a little chunk of scripture, a little chunk of the catechism, and then um, a space to journal. And you can just do your Lexi Divina, just flip page, page. Um, and you know, I'm a catechist, so I, I tried to walk through it intelligently. I tried to like hit all the major highlights of the creed by walking through it. I'm not just like grabbing random paragraphs. We're walking through um, the highlights of the first pillar of the catechism. So the creed, you know, the apostles creed. Um, so that's another, another thing that you could use. I don't know. Does that answer the question? That totally does. Thanks so okay. much. That's, that's really great. And Oh, one think, last thing. One last yeah. thing. If you do want to just start reading massive quantities of the catechism or want to start, <laughs> start on the fourth pillar on prayer. If you've never picked it up, read the first three paragraphs of the catechism and then start with the fourth pillar on prayer. Your heart will like come up. You'll be like, yes, I want to do this. This is amazing. Hmm. That is really cool. That's, that's awesome. Um, and you're, you're very generously actually you're giving that book away, the, the meditations book. You yeah. are going to give us 10 copies to uh, give away. Yeah, give me um, your address and I'll send them. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send you it over. But basically, if you want to get one of those copies, you can either find it on Amazon. Um, it's called Meditations by Edmund Mitchell, or you can find it on his website, edmundmitchell.com. And it's a link to Reverb. Um, I always want to say nation, but it's reverb culture. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. It, but it'll be, it'll be on common in the store and, um, but or Amazon. Um, but yeah, tell you, yeah, sorry. I'm interrupting yeah. you. No, you're all good. You're all good. Um, yeah. So he's going to give us 10 copies to give away. Uh, if you'd like a copy of that, go ahead and leave us um, a five-star review on our iTunes, which helps us not because we need to pat ourselves on our backs, but we want to help as many people as possible. And the more reviews that we get, the wider the podcast will be able to reach and we'll be able to help more people. So the first 10 people that give um, a five-star review um, from the date that this podcast is released will get a copy of the meditations in order to um, ensure that immediately send us an email to podcast at netusa.org afterwards, letting us know that you've done it um, and we'll go check it out. And then um, you will get your copy sent to you from the net center. Um, thanks so much for that, Edmund. That's really yeah. generous of you to uh, do that for us. And um, if people are wanting to like connect with you on social media, where are they going to find you? Uh, if you search my name, if you just search Edmund Mitchell on most, on a lot of social media, I'm on there, but I'm, I'm most active, I guess on, on Facebook and Instagram, I would say Instagram would probably be my strongest Instagram and Facebook may be my strongest. I'm trying to get back into Twitter, but I mean, my website, edmundmitchell.com is where I just keep everything. So if I'm coming out with a project or a book or uh, links to different things, it's all, all kind of going to be there. Yeah. Head to edmundmitchell.com. He has some great um, podcasts on there, blog posts, 
um, links to his Lumi box, which is a Catholic subscription where you get this box with different. Um, it's almost yeah. like a survival kit, I suppose. Yeah, it's a survival. Yeah, if you want me to send you a package in the mail, that's where you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so check that out for him and um, stay in contact with him and us if you have uh, any questions for Edmund. I'm sure he's happy to uh, answer them. Um, he also yeah, has some. Where are you going to go for it? I was going to say, you also have some awesome videos reviewing different catechism stuff. Yeah, I did a few of those. I need to do more of them. Yeah, I, I, I like them. I need to do more. They're fun. They're yeah. really fun. I was going to say, if you're listening to this right now and, you, and you're thinking, I'm not going to review this podcast on iTunes, you should absolutely because Dan's do, Dan, Dan is professional. He called me. He prepared me. He's like, organized. he has a, look at it. You can't see his mic, but it's high quality and he, he's providing all of this content, all this fresh Christian media here for free, and, and you're not even paying for it. So let's keep it free. Like, just go do a review, and that helps them. That helps us get everywhere, get, get the net podcast to be like, what if the net, what if your podcast was trending on the front page <laughs> of iTunes? Wouldn't that be nuts? That would be, be pretty huge. crazy. Get this podcast to trend on the front of the iTunes, whatever. And, uh, and yeah, just leave a quick review. It doesn't take long. You just write, I love Dan's beard. <laughs> and if you haven't seen my beard, you can hear it. There it is. <laughs> How can you not love that? You know what I love doing is this right here. I have this fake plant. <laughs> Isn't that the weirdest sound? It's pretty weird. I wouldn't be able to guess what it was. Anyways, okay. Sorry, that got really weird. <laughs> awesome. Edmund, thank you so much. You are a very generous man. Thank you for your time. And yeah. God bless you, your family, your ministry. And um, I hope we can chat again soon. I think we will soon. I think, I think I'll have you on my podcast next. Awesome. That will be fun, my man. Okay. All Thanks, right. Dan. God bless you. All right. Great. Welcome to the second segment of the podcast. This is the part of the show where Dan and I recommend something to all the listeners. Dan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I um, wanted to recommend something a little bit different. This one's for musicians out there or people who are interested in starting guitar or have people that they uh, know play guitar. You should recommend them this. Um, it's a new type of acoustic guitar. It's called a trans-acoustic guitar. Um, and it's sort of part acoustic and part, not electric, like uh, acoustic electric, but it part special effecty. I think. Don't know how to say it better than that. Um, but at a press of a button, you can change the guitar without having to plug it into anything into sounding like it is plugged in and you're in like a stadium or something. So I'm going to play that for you now and show you what it sounds like. This is a transacoustic guitar. It's an acoustic guitar. It's an electroacoustic guitar. And it is a transacoustic guitar. Um... Acoustic in the sense that you don't need to plug it into anything. Electroacoustic in the sense that if you want, you can plug it into a system. And transacoustic in the sense that it has built within it reverb settings and chorus settings that work even when you do not plug the guitar in. It's a new type of guitar. It's a transacoustic guitar. This one's brought out by Yamaha. And it's relatively budget-friendly. I paid 600 for this, um, which makes it an excellent choice for people. Um, and it's a pretty good guitar uh, in general. Um, without the reverb, it sounds something like this. 
the action is great on the guitar. But with the press of a button on the top here, which you know it has these three little buttons on it, one is a uh, reverb with a hall reverb and a room reverb, and then there's a chorus, and then just to turn it on is um, there's an extra button, um, and that also works when it's plugged in, which makes this an awesome guitar. The guitar sounds great. I've turned up the chorus to full, and I've turned up the reverb to hall full. Uh, just so that you can hear how crazy it is. Um, so, let's do that again. That's amazing. That's awesome. How did you know about that? Well, I found out about it because when I was on the IRW, which is an interview retreat weekend in Seattle, Washington, I went into some guitar shop. It was pretty funny, actually. I'm in there, and there's this rocker dude with long hair, about 50 years old, sunglasses. Um, and I needed to buy a guitar for Net um, so that we can use them at these kind of things because I didn't bring one with me. And um, so while I'm there... This guy comes up to me and says, hey, so what, what, what are you looking for? I said, well, I need like a budget guitar. Um, it doesn't need to be big. He said, well, what kind of application? And I said, well, um, it's for uh, sing-along stuff. <laughs> um, and, and then he like looked down at my Net Ministries shirt <laughs> and said, praise and worship. And I said, yeah. Whoa. And then he said, I'm the pastor at the local church. <laughs> Whoa. Um, and then he goes, I've got something special to show you. We just got these in. And he pulls out this guitar, and it's Yamaha. And I have a grudge against Yamaha for whatever reason. Um, and You so have a grudge. I do. Okay. Yeah, just because they're cheap instruments and American-made instruments are really good. And oh. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guitar nerd. All right. So he gives it to me, and, and I start playing it. I'm like, well, yeah, it sounds okay. And he said, yeah, but press this button. So I pressed that button and then I'm just won over by it. And it was within our price range. And um, he said it would be great for the praise and worship application. So that's how I heard about them. That's great. I like that a lot. What are you recommending this week, Matt? Okay, well, I have a twofer. Uh, the first thing I'm going to recommend is a person. <laughs> um, his, he's a stand-up comedian. His name is Nate Bargatze. In general, I'd highly recommend... Google Nate Bargatze. He has a, an album on Spotify you could listen to. But specifically, he was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon this past week, and he did a set about a dead horse. And it's outstanding. And I laugh every single time I hear it. Nate is a, uh, a stand-up comedian. He was raised uh, Christian, and so he doesn't swear or anything like that. But he's still really funny and i can't get enough of all of his stuff so nate bargatze check him out uh the second thing i want to recommend is a book written by one of our net alumna uh her name is chica chica i've never said your last name out loud uh but i'm going to uh anianwu uh chica wrote a book for life teen called my encounter how i met jesus in prayer and it's a really cool, first of all, it's just a cool looking book. It's yeah, it's really nice looking. Really well. Uh, the back says, Chica walks through some of the challenges, joys, and fruits of prayer using her testimony. 
She walks through her encounter with Jesus and challenges readers to do, to do the same. Um, I'd really recommend checking out Chica, uh, supporting her by her book on Life Team. Cool. Great. Okay, well, thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you love it. Uh, and we hope that you leave us some reviews. You can leave us uh, reviews in Apple Podcasts, uh, five-star reviews, Dan. Five-star reviews. And don't forget that the first 10 people that do that and send us an email to podcast at netusa.org will get a book by Edmund Mitchell. Um, and also, if you have any questions or ideas for future podcasts or anything, really, please send us an email to podcast at netusa.org and ask those questions. Yeah, really. Send us an email. We'd love to hear whatever it is you have to say about the show. Uh, thanks again for listening. We look forward to talking to you next time, and we'll see you later. You've been listening to the Net Ministries podcast. Check out our show notes and more at netusa.org slash podcast. You can email us at podcast at netusa.org.